We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. It is nice to be back. It has to be like week seven or eight of quarantine by now. So it's uh, good that you guys are still here with us, joining us every week. And like we usually do, we're opening the show with a couple of side topics. But it's nice to dive back into combat sports a little later on in the show this week. We have some boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling to catch up on. So it is great to do so. Last week, we only had one show. And that's mainly in part to me getting super drunk on Thursday. (laughs) So uh, if you guys don't know and you just started listening to the show or maybe you forgot... Every year during the draft, me and some friends from high school, we do this drinking game uh, based on our mock drafts for the NFL first round, and it's a whole like system of how it goes, but pretty much I black out every year. It's, I'm proud to say this year, I didn't black out until pick 27, so I got a, a nice way into the draft before I blacked out, but as you can imagine, it didn't leave much time to record the second episode of the Corner Podcast last week. So we have plenty to talk about today, and uh, yeah, if you're if you're wondering, do not mix White Claw and any type of 100-proof liquor. Uh, 
Oh, the wife went out there and bought something crazy. I forgot. Oh, she bought Rumple Mints. What the hell is that? Rumple Mints kind of tastes like Fireball, but times a thousand. It has that sweet, cinnamony taste of Fireball, but yeah, it's 100 proof. So Sounds it's the equivalent like of Everclear. Yeah, it, it, it was rough. So during the game, at certain points, like if people get correct uh, predictions on their mock draft, they get to hand out drinks. And yeah, so they stopped handing me drinks and started handing me shots. I don't know. The whole thing was over um, Zoom this year. So I was in charge of that. I don't know how the stream ended. I don't know. I just woke up the next day in my bed. Hmm. So I was like, yeah, fun fun night. I had to rewatch the draft to make sure what I thought happened happened. Wow. So, yep. But that's pretty much uh, my, my day every year around the draft. I haven't completed a draft coherently in like 10 years. So I always take the next day off. I did that again this year. And now, uh, you know, I'm a little older, so it took me about three days to recoup. And now we're here recording this. Hmm. Okay. So I'm feeling I'm feeling good, man. The body <laughs> body bounced back after three days. I'm I'm now finally ready to have my first drink since then. Oh, Cracking wow. the white claw to yeah. start this show. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those I'm never drinking again moments. Damn, but was that bad? I haven't had one of those in a long time. Dre, I blacked out and kept going for two hours. I, I forgot what I was doing. I played a game of pool. You're on here in my room. Yeah, almost broke the pool table. It was all bad. Damn. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of off balance, and I tried to, like, fix it and knocked one of the legs almost off. I, I don't know. I, it's fixed now. That's that's what matters. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was a, a, a wild night for me, but it is nice to be back, like I said. And we're starting this show off with a couple of topics that I've seen on your timeline over the weekend. You've had a chill weekend. It seems like you had a couple of days off, recharged the batteries, chilling with fam, but you still hopped on the Twitter timeline for a couple of hijinks over the weekend. And I wanted to get into those. First thing, though, something I saw, I think it was on your timeline. It might have just been in general. Today, as we record this, is the 25th anniversary of Friday, the movie. Damn, I mean, that makes me feel really old. 25 years? Oh, yeah. Super old, right? (laughs) 25 years uh, ago, Friday was released. And this leads me to one of my favorite hot takes of mine. No, don't do it. Hold on, hold on, (laughs) before you open your mouth. There. All right. (laughs) Listen, you have bad hot takes on this show, too. They're just coming up. I do not. They're on the rundown. They're coming. I figured I'd, you know, I'd get the ball rolling. By telling the truth, but it's a hot take. Friday after next is funnier than Friday. No, it's not. It it is, and we. T- <laughs> I I think we mentioned this in our group chat, never on the show. Friday after next with Craig and Day Day is the funnier movie. It's oh. not a better movie, maybe better storylines in the first one, but it's not as funny as next Friday was. How is it? It's not a better movie. Like both movies were more like. Next Friday was more or less like slapstick humor. Friday was, as I retweeted today, Miss Parker was watering no grass, and nobody <laughs> noticed it. Like nobody, nobody noticed it for was years. Was that hose not on? The hose was on. There's no like they they do a pull away shot when Craig and Smokey are talking about Miss Parker, 
as Miss Park is bending over to water the grass, and it's dirt. There is not a single ounce of grass on the ground that she's watering. There's so many subtleties in the first Friday that made that movie stand the test of time. I, me also, I'm a Chris Tucker was better as Smokey than Michael Mike Epps was in Next Friday. That's just me. I've never been a big fan of Mike Epps unless he's doing a more dramatic role. I just I wasn't I didn't really like him as the uh, the successor to Smokey in Friday. But oh, I thought it was incredible. I, I thought it, it was to the point. I mean, everyone missed Smokey, right? Like because that character was so iconic but Smokey was like a real ass character like that's you know the jokester in the hood that kind of always gets you into trouble like you it was very relatable I, the character is great and yeah he had funny scenes but Mike Epps was just a clown in it like Day Day is your stupid ass cousin that you just want to slap all the time oh man just oh, baby D Knowing all the snacks, all the bootleg snacks before they came out. Pinky. Okay. P- you can't tell me Pinky ain't. Sa- Pinky. Pinky was great. Pinky was great. Pinky. Don't get me wrong. But Hilarious. The, the most memorable and most quoted moments come from the first Friday. <laughs> Bye, Felicia, and you got knocked the fuck out. That, that's fair. Again, it's the first that had iconic moment. It wasn't as funny throughout. Yes, it was. <sighs> Y'all saw the movie. Well, first of all, I saw the movie like six times. In the theaters, we sneak in the theaters all the time. I watched it like, a, like us and our friends just watched it like a million times. But there was just so many moments in that film: the chicken coop, um, obviously Debo with the chain, um, Ezel with the bike. <laughs> Ezel, yeah, I mean Ezel, the slip and fall in the store, or catch a smoke, you taking a shit in the yard. Like, there's so many. Fa- there's, I, I just, I love Friday. I did not yeah, it's like so next funny. Friday. It's such good. Like next Friday was cool. It just, it didn't live up to the hype to me. Without Smokey, it was gonna be for me. It was always gonna be hard. It was always gonna be hard. Then, I mean, you had Neil Long in the first Friday. Like, man. Yeah, I don't even know who the chick was in the second that's Friday. That's what I'm saying. Like, but she was sexy as hell. Eh, you can't say she wasn't sexy. I'm just saying, like, it was, I felt like next Friday was good, like, segment humor, where I felt like Friday, the first Friday was just, I thought it was hilarious all the way through. And I thought the comedy in next Friday was more slapstick, whereas Friday were like, the, the jokes weren't as on the nose as next Friday. But that's just me. And it, I know I, I'm looking at the rundown, what we're going to talk about, and I, you can kind of tell the type of movies I like. I'm very much into, into subtle humor, um, dark humor. I'm into stories. Like, things that just happen in a movie, I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm very big on narratives and stories. And even though Friday, there was still a story there with them trying to sell this weed because fucking Smokey spent up Big Worm's money. But other than that, I just thought it was, a, I thought the humor was more, I mean, it, was, it wasn't as over the top, even though, like, Getting knocked the fuck out and Ronaldo Ray said, "You want some of this, old man?" No, like I <laughs> love the first Friday. I think I think it's just a classic piece of movie, and I thought next Friday was cool. I didn't think it was bad. Or Friday after next, I didn't think it was bad at all. I just didn't like it as much as the first Friday. That's incredible. I, I thought the second one was funnier throughout, and that's just because the first one had moments where it was more about the story. So there were certain points that weren't supposed to be comical. Like, it, it progressed the storyline. So, the second one, to me, was just all comedy. Random acts of comedy back to back to back to back. Just Baby Joker and, and the whole Joker family, hilarious. Chico, 
Just the not dog. Funny. Just not funny the first Friday. I mean, the introduction to Debo, Craig smoking weed for the first time, Felicia, of course, and then there's just Bernie Mac. Come on, man! Like Friday right. is is absolutely a classic. Like if you miss whole Kim, yo, next Friday, every single moment, put some hot sauce on my burrito, baby. Every moment, the entire movie is funny. Uncle Elroy, not Uncle a, Elroy is hilarious, and I get what you're saying. It is more like. You know, just like slapstick comedy, but it was just endless. Yeah, I didn't and then as much. I, I thought it was funny. Didn't laugh as much as the first Friday. Oh, can't get jiggy with this. It's not John Blaze. Every everyone had a funny line. That shit's so. So I think that's funny. Uh, the third Friday, I could take it or leave it. To me, that was a money mic showcase. (laughs) I could leave the third Friday. Like after (laughs) after that, I was burnt out on that one. Like I saw that one in the theater too, and I was just like, "I'm okay." Yeah, a movie you didn't see in the theater, which spurred this whole conversation, is your hot take. You don't really like Bad Boy One and Two. I think they're okay. I think they're okay movies. Like the people have painted bad boys one and two to be the like i haven't seen bad boys three yet and i plan on watching it i just haven't damn shit haven't got around to it yet bad boys <laughs> one and two were movies that i was extremely hyped to see when they came out and then i saw them and i remember nothing about them i remember bad boys two with the dating scene with a, with a boyfriend coming to the house motherfucker you look 30 i remember that <laughs> the plot and all i remember is will smith with his shirt open Martin being like the dope and explosions and car chases. I don't like the story. I don't remember it at all. I felt like it was overrated because it was a movie with two black comedic leads in an action movie. And that meant a lot to people, especially me. That's why I went and saw it. But as far as the movie was concerned, it was cool. It was nothing ever that I was like, I need to, man, I can't wait to see this again. It was cool. And Michael Bay, I just, he just likes to make shit very loud and blow shit up. Like all of his movies are the same. Things blow up, and it's really, really loud. Watch a Michael Bay movie on regular volume, and then watch like a Scorsese movie or something like that, and you'll be like, yo, what's wrong with the volume? His movies are crazy loud for no reason, and things just blow up all the time. <laughs> but they had like funny jokes. The second one was funny. It had Gabrielle Union. It had so, the dude Blondie Dread. Here's my question. Like, I can tell you the whole the whole storyline. Did, like movie. did like it live up to the hype? I think so. I, I think, I think so. the second one arguably was better than the first. I, I don't remember either of them. I just remember they were both in it. But, that, again, that's not saying these movies were bad. Oh, I, I could watch don't... this. Again, I have guilty pleasures, and I'm, I'm going to break down why you don't like this movie here in a second. But I have guilty pleasures, especially when it comes to Will Smith. So, like, Bad Boys 2, if it's on TV, I watch it every time. But I also watch Wild Wild West every time it's on TV. Jesus, nope. What can I say? <laughs> um, no, but you, you just don't like Will Smith. No, that's I, what I've come I do down. Like Will We've Smith. had this conversation with him and Jamie Foxx. And Jamie I think Fox Jamie Foxx is better. better yes. And then you don't like Ali. I you you no. really just don't like Will Smith. No, I thought I thought um, Pursuit of Happiness. Will Smith was amazing. I thought. Um, I'm trying to think of a like the big action. <laughs> like, I, I liked like Independence. Will Smith. I liked Independence Day. <laughs> but I think for the okay. most part, I think Will is he's in. Um, like, he's gotten these big Hollywood blockbuster roles. Like, I prefer The Rock over Will Smith in movies. What? Yes. Like, Has The Rock had a role like Ali? Dude, like, I, I look at The Rock. Like, I watch the... Dude. Oh, my God. Will Smith's performance in Muhammad Ali, in the Ali movie was not good. 
It was not good. He was an Ali imper- It was like an Elvis impersonator. It was not good. It you was- argued that Jamie Foxx's role. Jamie Foxx's was Ray than- was yes. Jamie Foxx. No, not even Ray. Yeah. Jamie Foxx in Ali. Yeah, was as better Boudini than Brown. Jamie Foxx is a better actor. But Jamie Foxx's Boudini Brown was more convincing than Ali as I mean, Will Smith as Muhammad Ali. I just didn't buy it. I, look, I felt like I was watching Will Smith doing a Muhammad Ali impression. Whereas when I watched Jamie Foxx in Ray, Jamie Foxx became Ray Charles. Will Smith or Denzel Washington became Malcolm X. It, I just felt like I was watching Will Smith try to be Muhammad Ali. And on top of that, this isn't Will Smith's fault. Michael Mann's script for the Ali movie wasn't good. It focused heavily on like his marital relationships. Like... Again, when you're somebody who's like an avid reader of Ali and as big of a fan as Ali as me, I just felt like the movie was really long and it just wasn't that good. It's not, it's not memorable. It's not like Malcolm X. I could watch Malcolm X tomorrow. It's three hours and it was worth every, every hour of that movie. And I think Michael Mann was the wrong director for the, for the uh, Muhammad Ali movie. I really wanted Spike Lee to do it. No idea of how it would have turned out, but I really wanted Spike Lee to do the Muhammad Ali movie. I... And this doesn't mean I don't like Will Smith. I do think he's a good actor. I think he's had great moments. But I can't, like, concussion. Felt like Will Smith was just doing a bad accent. <laughs> yeah, the, the accent wasn't good. It wasn't good. Pursuit I mean, I didn't like the movie. Like, then he's had a string of, like, just really bad movies. Like, Seven Pounds was, like, whatever. But um, After Earth, terrible. Uh, didn't care for Wild Wild West. You like it. Didn't care for it. Men in Black was cool. Men in Black was cool. Yeah, Men in Black was cool. Um, but Independence Day was great. But then it was like, I just, uh, what, what, um. I Robot was really good. Um, I Am Legend was good. Really good. Bagger Vance, whatever. Um, I just, dude, I just, the bad boys, like, and I guess it also. Yeah, and bad boys, one and two, think, and then I guess now you can add three I think you to the can, list. Well, when I see it, I think this also speaks You're to, not going to like it. <laughs> I, I'll see like I've heard from a few of my friends that didn't necessarily care for Bad Boys 1 and 2 that 3 is actually one I should watch so I'm going to see but I think there's a, an, another thing here about Bad Boys and it's not Will Smith I think Martin Lawrence is overrated I think he is in these movies and they yes. definitely showcase in that these, like, I think Martin Lawrence's stand up career Def Comedy Jam You So Crazy the first few seasons of Martin excellent then it goes like Blue Streak, um, Big Mama's House, and I was just like, I'm good. He lost me after that. Yeah, yeah, like I was like, I'm good, I'm straight. I can't watch this shit. So when I saw him in Bad Boys, Will Smith was fine. And I thought Martin Lawrence was fine too, but I was like, the weight that was put on both of these actors to make this movie, I was like, I was expecting something like astronomical. Those two weren't as good as The Rock and Samuel Jackson's short stint in The Other Guys. Oh, yeah, I mean, but that's a tiny cameo stint okay. and they were they weren't hilarious. as good as Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg and the other guys <laughs> the other guys oh. is a better movie other the guys other is, guys is hilarious no, other guys is Yo, hilarious that shit is so funny but it's I just perfect, watched that a couple weeks ago it's the uh, the perfect um, paradox between you had uh, uh, Will Ferrell as the goof and Mark Wahlberg as the hard ass I didn't get that same chemistry, even though it was good chemistry. I didn't get that same chemistry out of Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. I just but didn't. that wasn't their character. It was the family man versus the heartthrob that only yeah. But I'm just saying, down. it just it it, it's more 
it's more lethal weapon than it is goofy Oof. Will Ferrell movie. Hard to compare to lethal weapon because I love lethal weapon. Danny Glover. I, I really love. I'm just saying it's more lethal weapon where you have that like young reckless heartthrob doesn't want to settle down. His girls always get in the mix, and then the family guy type, you know. Joint with that Danny Glover. It, like, it's it feels, just different. It feels weird. I, I'm not saying this is a miscasting. And again, this is, these aren't bad movies. It feels weird that Martin Lawrence was a family guy. It just <laughs> it I mean, felt, felt kind of weird. Will Smith wasn't going to be the family guy. No, I mean, he could have been. Like, Martin Lawrence's... Martin wasn't being the heartthrob. No, he, I'm not saying, but uh, they, they were cast as roles that I was just like, eh, is Will Smith really the heartthrob type of guy? I don't know. I wasn't really buying it. Martin Lawrence... Mike Lowry is an epic character. He is an epic character. Like, one of my boys has changed his name on social media to Mike Lowry because of this movie, and that was since we were kids. But I just think... I think they're okay movies. I don't think they're bad movies. I'll watch them in passing, even though I haven't watched either in a long time, and I plan to watch both before I watch Bad Boy 3, but I don't remember the plot of either movie. It just didn't stick with me. So this isn't one of those iconic black franchises to you we just talked about no, friday no, iconic no, black franchise no no, no bad no. boys Mm-mm. isn't iconic to you no that's crazy it's not this is it's not two just black dudes lead black actors yeah, yeah huge budget even though michael bay you know you misuse it but but they're blockbuster movies it's I get it. I, I mean, I get did, why it is, but I think. Did you, you know, like 48 Hours or whatever? Yes. Like, I love 48 Hours. I love you Beverly love 48 Hills Hours, the series? Beverly Hills Yeah, like, but, to me, this is better than that. No, no, no. Bad Boys will never be better than 48 Hours. No. 40 Hours 1 and 2, and you throw Beverly Hills Cop in yeah, there. Beverly Hills I think Cop, this trilogy is better than Like, that. Beverly Hills Cop 1 is better than. And I haven't seen Bad Boys 3 yet, so I won't speak to that. But Beverly Hills Cop yeah. 1 is better than both Bad Boys 1 and 2. <sighs> Tough, dude. But franchises, it's like I get the 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 pool is so small for like black franchises. I mean, this Nutty Professor. Oof, a Nutty Professor. Ooh, okay. That's classic black. Franchise. One was great. Two. I, I like two. I like two as well. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, in the same way, like Anchorman Two is not even close to as good as Anchorman. No. Was. So. It wasn't that big of a fall, though. But Friday, Nutty Professor, Bad Boys. I, um, I'm trying to think if there's, like, another, like, black fret movie franchise. I don't think so. I think that might have, as far as, like, somewhat, like, comical. I can't even think right now. But I, I think that's it. But I, this is in there. I mean, Like, you yeah, can give me eight a, of these. Such like, a Fast limited selection, sure. Okay. This is a really limited <laughs> selection. Like yeah, it's very small because there aren't I mean, that many movies with two black leads, just just to begin with. So that that's that's the hard part because you can't really put like Lethal Weapon in there because you have Mel Gibson. I mean, you could do the stupid shit like Think Like a Man. Nah, like, fuck that. That no, no thanks. I'm okay. Kevin Hart, right? Like Kevin Hart has Ride Alongs one, two. Like none of that shit's iconic. He's done it. Him and Ice Cube I done mean, it they just, twice. Him and The Rock have done it once or two times. I don't fucking know. Yeah, okay. Him and The Rock have like three movies together. Forgot Ride Along. Yeah, okay. I mean... None the, of those are iconic. No. Those aren't this. I think, again, I think it's iconic because of the historic value of two black leads in an action film. Other than that, these... Whatever. <laughs> I, no. 
I just think you don't like Will Smith, but all right, that's fine. I I think Will Smith is good. I, I like I keep continue to say I think it's, I'm all about Jamie Foxx. I'm a big Jamie Foxx guy. Will Smith is good, but I just think I think he's he's played in far more popcorn and bad movies than he has in like you, really good movies. You think Jamie Foxx would have been a better heartthrob in this? I think it would have been better in a period. Like Jamie Foxx is just he's just more believable in Bad Boys. I don't know. Mike it, Lowry is Jamie Foxx. I, would it work? I, th- I think Jamie Foxx would it it would have been a different script for Jamie Foxx. Like Jamie Fo- like dude, I w- was falling asleep the other day watching Booty Call. Booty Call is a <laughs> it is a horrible movie, right? Like it is horrible. But I like it. But it Jamie Foxx is hilarious. <laughs> As Buns, yeah. like his comedic timing is unbelievable, and Tommy Davis is also pretty funny. But the movie is terrible. Like it's Tommy Davis and always got on my nerves, kind of though. Yeah, like it's the like the movie is just is dumb, right? But as I'm watching it, you okay? Uh, black franchise that's iconic, The Best Man. That's an iconic black franchise. That second one, yeah, that second one hits you in the fucking yeah. heart. And the first, that one, second one is rough. The first one, like, like I, I don't change the channel when the first one comes on. I, that's a movie I can watch like a million times. I. That's love another it. franchise where I feel the second one is better than the first. I mean, that's fine. I just, I. Love, no, I mean, yeah, but that's they're both good. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah that's. A good I think the best man is like a. It is. It's hard because it's really just a sequel. I think a franchise really when you have three movies. Three. But um, I, I feel like they have room for a third though. They waited a while. They probably until will. that second one. They could get another one out. I mean, I'd watch it. Like this is no fall off. There's a lot of black movies that just don't need sequels, and I know people like talk about them. I'm like, ah, no. Like, like imagine if there was like a Boys in the Hood too. No thanks. I'd watch The Wood. I sequel, dude. I love the wood, and I don't want anybody to make a sequel because of how what? much I love the wood. I, yeah, love, I, mean, I the love the wood. wood. I, I'd watch a sequel to that. Like that movie is hilarious to me. That movie, and and it's a movie that I often forget when people talk about my favorite movies because I always like put Do the Right Thing and Juice and like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. I always forget to mention the wood because that's another movie. If it comes on, I am watching it. There's no way I'm and white man can't jump. I am watching that damn movie. There's just no way. Bad Boys one and two. If it comes on, I'm like ah, cool. I'll flip the channel. Not true. The Wood is definitely better in Bad Boys one. Yeah, the Wood is, dude. The Wood is the Wood's excellent. iconic. The Wood is yeah. is excellent, excellent front to back. Great comedy, great timing, fantastic story. Everything about that it was directed well. Love that movie. And I don't even know if white people like the wood because I don't know if it's like universally low, but I black love the hell out of that movie. <laughs> no, that's fair. I love that quote. I black love the hell out of that. I need do. a shirt with that on. <laughs> um, okay, the other hot take you had, which wasn't even a hot take, it no. was misconstrued. Yeah. But I had to, I had to figure out your stance on this. People probably saw it on your timeline by now. But Dre, you went after Wanye and his singing. You never said he couldn't sing. No. I should have the tweet pulled up. But you said his neck movements and the way he sung led to a generation of people thinking they could sing as long as they made those heavy-ass neck movements. Yes, absolutely. I think, And people got on you because they thought you said Wanye couldn't sing. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I think, like, dude, Boyz II Men is one of the greatest four-piece harmony singers group ever. Like, period. Might be number one. They are unbelievable. And Wanye is a phenomenal singer. But he also brought, ushered in the era. It was like, 
It's like everybody trying to do Jordan's fadeaway jumper, and it was just like you guys are bricking the shit out of this. Like Wan- everybody doing the shoulder roll. Yeah, <laughs> like it just you can't do it. Like this is Wanye's thing, and I watch so many struggle singers try to push those damn notes out by wiggling their head. It doesn't work. It just sounds like you're shaking a cat. Like stop. If you can't sing, you can't sing. The head movement doesn't help. It's a Wanye trademark. But people that was like, you saying Wanye can't sing? No, I'm saying an usher, he ushered in an era. He laid the blueprint for a bunch of people who couldn't sing to act like they could sing by shaking their head really fast, trying to have the, the vibrato in their voice. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. If you can't sing, you can't sing. And that shit, <laughs> man, look. Woo! That shit was... People were like, yo... I will not stand for this Wanye slam. Yeah, I'm like, all right, cool, because I'm not slandering Wanye. But, like, somebody had to clarify it for me. I was like, I know. And, you know, whatever. This is something that's not even on the subject, because I've been thinking about this a lot lately, because we're gonna, we're about to talk about the Instagram live battles and stuff. But who won the IG live battle between Boys and Men and Jodeci? Fuck. Um, wait, the, the biggest caveat. Is it full catalogs of everyone in Jodeci? Or just the group projects. See, okay. I guess you can can Casey and JoJo play Casey and JoJo records. Yeah, sure, but that hot take. Never really care for Casey and JoJo outside of Jodeci. But all right, continue. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, okay. Wasn't a fan. What? Nope. I'm flabbergasted by that. Yeah, but Mm -mm. to answer your question, Jodeci then wins. I don't. I don't know if they wash boys to men, it's, but they it's, win handedly. I don't know if they even win handedly because, like, I was going through this. I was a Jody C guy growing up. Like, Diary of a Madman is yeah. one of my favorite R&B albums of all time. Diary of a Madman is excellent. Sidebar, I am going to pursue something in the near future. If somebody pays me to do it, I need to find Devontae Swing. I have to find this guy. I have no idea what happened to him. His his disappearance is one of the most baffling things in music because Devontae ushered in Timbaland and Pharrell. And both of them Word. have become all-time great producers, and nobody talks about Devontae singing. But didn't he, like, lock people in the basement and screw a bunch of people out of their money? Well, isn't there a reason he disappeared? That, but we don't really know, and Devontae's never really told his side of the story. All that happened was after the show, the after party in the hotel... Jodeci couldn't get their shit together while going on tour, and they just completely fell apart. They tried a reunion a couple of years ago. That didn't work. And then all it was really about is you saw Casey and JoJo, like uh, JoJo falling out on stage, and his manager picking him, or his bodyguard picking him up. Like, just weird videos like that. But if you, like, Devontae was not just the, the orchestrator for Jodeci, but he created the sound that every R&B group from that era and beyond emulated moving forward. Because it was really no sound, because it was the New Jack Swing era, then Boys and Men came in with the harmony and the, the, the 50 Candles and End of the Road, and then Jodeci came in and was just trying to screw everybody. And the sound that Jodeci had from Diary of a Mad Band, because if you listen to Diary of a Mad Band, it sounds nothing like Forever My Lady. Like, it's no. similar, but they like, Fiendin? Come on. Like, the, the production, because Devontae wrote... And produced those songs. Mr. Dalvin didn't do shit. He was just kind of there, and then he tried to have a solo career, and it was terrible. But <laughs> Devon, what Devontae did, then I started going through his catalog. Like, he produced Can You Get With That and for, by Usher. If you listen to Usher's Can You Get With That, it's a Jodeci song for a 14-year-old. And then when you really think about that, that's gross. 
<laughs> then he did like Slave for uh for Tony Thompson. He did uh Why 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 for Horace Brown. He did there was like so many they produced for Tupac. Like Devontae did so much stuff, slip and slide for Danny Boy, and they just disappeared. Nobody talks about Devontae Swing. If it wasn't for Devontae, there would be no player, there would be no Timberland, there would be no the basement, there would be no genuine, there would be no Pharrell. And nobody knows what I mean, somebody has to know where this guy is. But his story has never been told. And I'm pursuing the hell of this. But back to Boys and Men and Jodeci. Jodeci, that set diary of Mad Band was excellent. Show the after party of the hotel with freaking you was excellent. But Boys and Men had some sneaky good joints. See, that's that's the thing we learned about the RZA battle. Is that you can bring some album cuts out where people are like, yo. And it'll keep you afloat. Man. I was listening to Boys and Men. But 50 it's candles. too many ballads for Boys to Men for me, dude. I don't. Because you, you can't compete with the bounce that Jodeci had. I will counter that and say Babyface definitely did that against Teddy Riley. Babyface did hit him, yeah. But Teddy Riley, he buried himself. That's on. That's a whole different. I'm just thing. saying, it's, it's like Boys to Men because like you have like End of the Road, of course, but you have like Motown, Philly. Um, you have the vibing with oh, the vibing remix. You have little bounce. Uh ah, you know, the, the whole ten nine eight seven that, that countdown is still being used by people today. You had uh, um, four seasons of loneliness. Like you had a lot. Like boys and men had a lot of shit. They had a lot of shit. It's just the highs for Joe to see like freaking you was like the boning anthem for like kids like me. Like it was like the boning <laughs> anthem. Like Feenan, oh my god, alone, uh, cry for you. Like Joe, I I would pick Joe to see. But it's really because of that sonic thump that Devontae had because boys and men were better singers by like a country mile. Like much better I, singers. Yeah. I mean, Casey sing his ass off. Yeah, he, he, he could, but like Nate, Sean, and Wanye, those three dudes, and then Mike bringing up the bass with the, like those dudes could sing the panties off anybody. Yeah, definitely. Unbelievable. Yeah. But it's just the song, like Devontae orchestrated some joints. My goodness, dude. I can't believe you don't like Casey and JoJo. I'm still stuck. Like, <laughs> stuck. Dude, is this another hot take? I hated that song all my life. I hated that song. <laughs> oh, I hated that song. And it's probably because I was so attached to Jodeci that I just couldn't digest this sappy-ass Casey and JoJo song. I just couldn't. I loved Life off of the Life soundtrack. Life is a movie I didn't like the first time I watched it. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, this is fucking hilarious. What was wrong with me? But that song... I was like, yo, this is this is a jam. But man, I all my life, ugh, I, it's too sappy for me. I couldn't take it. I just couldn't. I couldn't. But you it. just championed a whole catalog of Boys to Men. Because Boys that was always Boys to Men's brand. Like Boys to Men came out with like bandanas and do-rags and was just talking about sexing you down. I'd be like, I can't get with this shit. I can't get jiggy <laughs> okay. to this. No. It was a brand established with Boys to Men, so the ballads were cool. But when Casey and Joseph like, yeah, stay forever, my lady, those were like Kind of ballads, but there was still there was still a heavy hip hop influence behind that. So when All My Life came out, I just didn't like it. I get why people like it. That's another one. That's not a song that I'll ever say sucks. I just couldn't take it. It came on the radio like a million times, and I was like, I can't fucking stand that. That shit was everywhere. Ugh, ugh. So again, if they can use that, yeah, then then we have a battle. So to wrap this up, you said Wanye led to a whole generation of people yeah. who thought they could sing. Because of the head movements, who is the most over singing ass singer? Oh my! In your opinion, who is the most over singing over singing ass singer? Man, 
I got two. I'm only going to say one because the other one breaks my heart to admit. Um, I will give you Tyrese as the most over-singing-ass singer I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I don't know. And he can sing, but his over-singing-ass ruined more songs than it helped. <laughs> I got to think about this because when I think about over-singing, I think about... I don't know why my mind immediately goes to this. I think about people who sing the national anthem, and I'm like, stop. You're doing too much to that <laughs> national anthem. Yeah, a lot of people do. And that's what always think goes in my head, because everything doesn't need vibrato. So maybe, yeah, Tyrese, okay. But there's a lot of songs like that. You said that last run in the song, that was Wanye all day. Like, yeah. yo, that last run... Sometimes people just really overdo it with that last run. Yeah, like even sometimes um, I've my wife can't stand Lloyd because of that. Oh, well, see, I don't even, I don't know. She says he yells. Yeah, see, and he just fucking kills songs at the end. There are a lot of singers who yell a lot, and they call that singing. Just like <laughs> Fonte had coined it. Wait, whispering at ambiguous bitches. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was like, this dude's genre, racially ambiguous, bro. Uh, it was so funny. Like, because of like this era of these girls that sing and they all like whisper, they don't really sing. And there was like an era of men who just like yelled at you all the time. And you, everybody can't be Teddy Pendergrass. Like, Teddy Pendergrass can sing and yell the hell out of you. You'd be like, all right, cool, whatever you say, Teddy. But other people, it's just like, even Wanye's done it from time to time later in his career. Like, there'd be a song, and I'm like, that's enough, Wanye. I got it. Yeah. You don't have to sing that hard. I feel like Trey Songz does that shit a lot, too. Oh, Trey does. You give Trey, you give Trey like, a crazy guitar interlude at the end? Oh, God. That motherfucker just gonna run off. He makes that it. weird face. It's like, oh, man, come on. Just just end it, all right? It's it's not that painful. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that's, yeah. The, he, Trey will go off on you. And my other one, which pains me to say, because I love this group, but sometimes they got a real Cisco in. <laughs> that's that's my boy, man. But Cisco, Cisco oversing the hell out of some shit on man, Cisco. especially live. Yeah, yo, like yo, Cisco, Cisco, we don't need that that eight minute long track yeah. with you just going off, falling on the floor and shit. Yeah, see, I was. I see, like th there were those immediate comparisons between Cisco and Casey, and I thought like Cisco was like a different singer. Af after a while, it was kind of like the Shine Biggie comparisons, where you, after you get past the voice for a minute, you realize like, how oh, they're different. Like they're not the same. And I always thought that with Cisco, Cisco got this weird, and I don't want to call it a tragic career, because boy, that solo album, that Thong song, was the beginning and the end, real quick for his career. Have, have I mean, you, it's hard to top that. Dog, have you? But ever, his Drew Hill run was incredible. It was. It, I love Drew. But Hill. then Drew Hill fell apart. Like after his solo album, did you ever see the real Enter the Dragon video? The one no. that never came out. Oh my no. god! They had like the CGI dragon, but it was before CGI was actually really good. So it was like really terrible. Like a it looked like a PlayStation dragon in the video, and he was like chasing it and doing like flips and shit. It was horrible. And they spent so much money on this video that they burnt the budget for the album. And it just was like, it was like the demise of Cisco's career. Like, the Thong song, like, everybody jokes about it. It was a jam when it came out, but it became the bane of his existence. Yeah, that show's fire. Yeah. I remember watching, making the video on MTV. Well, every, see, the, the, the thing about the Thong song was the video made the song. Like, nobody listens, oh, yeah. nobody listens to Tip Drill because it's a hot song. Like, if it came on the radio, you're like, where's the That video? song is fire, though. Mm. Just... For, you don't like Nelly. I, I, we're not taking time to explain this, but that song is dope. Mm. 
<laughs> okay. Well, last last thing, because I'm thinking about these battles, like just kind of thinking like different groups. Um, there's a triple threat between uh, 112, Jagged Edge, and Drew Hill. Who are you picking? I got to pick this with my head or my heart. It's two di- there's two different answers. Uh, if I pick in my heart, Drew Hill, if you include Cisco solo shit, give me Drew Hill. If I'm saying with my head, it has to be 112. Jagged Edge gets washed any way you slice it. Okay, that's fair. Um, any way you slice they're they're not even in the same bracket, if we're being honest. I mean, look, I think the same way. I think Jagged Edge's best album was their first album and was short as shit. I didn't I wasn't like a big J. E. Heartbreak and Jagged Little Pill fan and everybody loves those albums. I didn't. I think the the, the hard part for me is that one twelve's debut album was better than all the, those their albums. It's one of one of the greatest debut albums for an R and B group ever. With one of the greatest yeah. opening songs that was like a post bone session song. It, that now that we're done is unbelievable. And their songs were just amazing. But then it's like Room One Twelve was dope. And then it just kind of like fell off the table. Then they started dancing like peaches and cream and all that shit. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like Drew Hill, I mean, was, they had hits. They did. Their last album was really good. By it, I mean, it was this, good, like reunion album. But uh, Drew Hill was, was like pretty, good. pretty consistent, right? Like yeah, Drew yeah. Hill was in my bed, in my bed remix. Um, the guy, goddamn the second out. Like when you hear, as soon as the opening chorus for "Tell Me Come On," you just start jumping. It don't even matter where you at. They had something on the soundtrack that was fucking uh, fire. They too. had uh, "Tell Me What You What's Want." That was on the Rush Hour soundtrack. Rush Hour soundtrack. Yeah, big song. Yeah, like and they had. I mean, the, Drew Hill. They were very consistent. I just don't think they had an album that could touch 112's debut. So it was like comparing careers, like having a Nas Illmatic in your catalog, and the other albums were like really good, but. Not as good as that one, whereas like Jay Z, like Reasonable Doubt, even though I call it a classic, and I feel like life, you know, in my lifetime, Volume One, even though it has two absolutely trash songs on there, which I was like scared Teddy Riley and Babyface were both gonna play, and Teddy Riley just did, um, Sunshine and City is My Oof, don't hate, I hate those songs, but <laughs> I like in my lifetime when I like it was written, and I know people will come from my head for this, but. I do. Yeah, that's tough. I do. I, I just. I'd probably say the same though. Like imaginary player. Whew. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Vicious. Nah, it, but that's how I feel like. Was dope. That's how I think about but, those guys. Yeah, no. When you, I don't know. Jagged Edge has no business being in like. <laughs> a lot of people love Jagged Edge. Like, let's get married. Yeah, like was annoying as hell. Shout people's from Views. Like they love Jagged Edge. Like they're Jagged Edge dudes, and I'm just like, I don't see it. I I I don't see it because you get like five six songs deep and then it's just like uh then then you're leaning a little bit and especially compared to 112 112 they win that even against you know um drew hill mainly because the strength that they had with bad boy and the remixes they could pull out and their features on other people's shit is too dope like you you can play sky's the limit that's yeah, that's a joint. Like you, you could play shit off the mace out. Like, oh, it's it's too much. Their yeah. features were too much. Yeah, yeah. There is a, there is somebody made an image of a fake Drake versus Jay Z battle. Did you see this? No. Okay. 
Why is this even a thing? I don't know. And whoever made these songs that belonged on this list should be shot. Because... Oh, they don't know Jay-Z at all, then. Well, because they have, like, on to the next one versus, like, worst behavior. And I don't know, like, why, why would you ever put those two songs against each other? All right, I'm going to find this real quick. <laughs> so No, but I mean, the, Drake, as good as Drake is, and Drake is great, he has nothing that is reasonable doubt. No, but it, see, the problem is, this is what I always talk about, is like, what are you valuing here? This is like hits, because remember, Jay-Z didn't go platinum for a while, so Hard Night Live Volume 2. Drake was yeah. like out the gate firing. And then Drake's guest appearances were ridiculous as well. So if you're looking for hits... You could side with Drake depending on the playlist. I mean, throwing that Jay Z and Maya joint, no, Jay Z and Mariah. I, like, I agree. Jay, even if Look, you want to go hits, you can go real deep hits. That's not on to the next. I one. just think it's like I think Jay Z's just come on. It's like not even fair in yeah. my opinion. But somebody made this list, and I'm gonna go through these matchups. And I was just like, why would you do such a thing? So the first matchup is Hard Knock Life Anthem versus Dreams Money Can Buy. I have no idea why these two songs are paired against each other. And Hard Night Life won. The second song is Big Pimpin' versus Back to Back. And this person chose Back to Back over Big Pimpin'. Are you sick? What? The third song is Tom... Back to Back's not even a hit. It's exactly. A hit I don't even know why it's on it. The next song is Tom Ford versus Started from the Bottom. And Tom Ford wins. What the hell's going on here? What? Like, why is Tom... Of oh, oh, Jay-Z's dense-ass catalog, Tom Ford? Um, the next song is 03 Bonnie and Clyde versus Work. Work wins. The next song is Excuse Me Miss versus Nonstop. Excuse Me Miss wins. Next song is Change Clothes. Change Clothes versus Aston uh, Paris Aston Martin music. Aston Martin music wins. Okay. Um, no guidance versus On the Run. On the Run wins. What? What? Like why is On the Run not? I don't know. That's just a horrible fucking list. They're still ignoring so much. Like no dirt off your well, shoulders. Wait, let me let me finish. Um, there's 20 songs here, and then we oh, can move okay. on to the next subject. Next is Dirt Off Your Soldiers. Soldiers versus Sicko Mode. Sicko Mode wins. Next is 99 Problems no. versus Lord Knows. Lord Knows wins. <laughs> next is Encore versus The Motto. Encore wins. Then H to the Izzo versus Energy. H to the Izzo wins. Swagger Like okay. Us versus Forever. Forever. Run This Town versus Know Yourself. Know Yourself wins. What? What? Um, <laughs> on to the next one versus Worst Behavior. On to the next one wins. Are you? What That's is ridiculous. wrong with these people? Empire State of Mind versus Hotline Bling. Empire State of Mind wins. Uh, Niggas in Paris versus I'm the One. Niggas in Paris wins. And Otis versus Zero to 100. Otis wins. What? They ignore so many Jay-Z hits. Like... What what the hell like stop. First of all Did you even say a hard not life? A hard not life was the first song. And it oh, okay. and it beat Dreams Money Combined. No, it beat Dreams Money okay. Combined. Like both lists are deeply flawed. So it's like, man, stop doing this stuff. Like this really I'm not saying this beef this battle will come down to playlists, but it kinda does too, because we both have these hits. But anybody putting Tom Ford on the Jay-Z list and not putting like Imaginary Player and not putting like Friend of Foe and not putting Dead Presidents, what's wrong with you? Or Brooklyn, That's how do you ridiculous. not put Brooklyn's finest on here at all? What is wrong with you? I'm trying to even find like hits. A lot of the shit on here, hits wise, is like features. And if you go feature for feature, like Jay Z has Crazy in Love, Umbrella. Like, That's what I'm saying. His feature catalog is fucking. It's bonkers. like, but they left all this up, but you put Tom Ford on here. Tom Ford. <sighs> 
yeah, and on to the next one. Fucking. Like, no. No. There's so much heat on those first couple of albums that were singles. That's... It's not even like you had to go too far. And by the way, if you want to put back-to-back, it should have been back-to-back versus TakeOver. Right. Like a but di- whatever. Like, how do you not have TakeOver? Or, I mean, in my opinion, I'm very big on Girls, Girls, Girls and Song Cry. Why are those two songs not on here? But whatever. Song Cry has to be on there. With Emo Ash Drake, you got to go Emo for that's, Emo. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got to put the Song Cry on there. Anyway, the point is... I Just Want to Love You wasn't on there? No. No, no. Like, I'm getting offended now that's that you mentioned it. No. But <laughs> I just want to love you is a huge hit. Like, people... So they they didn't hear Jay-Z until after Black Album. Yeah. If that's what you're telling like, me. Like, Lucifer's not Big on Pimpin's here. Big like the only thing before like, then. any, any, any list... So ghetto. Any list without public service announcement is null and void. Oh, null and void. <laughs> you can't. Null and void. Money, cash, hoes. Right. No money, cash hoes. Right. Jigga what? Jigga who? Right. <laughs> they never heard of Jay-Z before Black Album. I am convinced. Yeah. Jigga what? Jigga who kills half the shit on Drake's collection right there. Yeah, and somebody put this this out and then shared it, and then people started they sharing this. And I'm like, man, they should be y'all need to stop. Themselves. And Jay-Z still wins in their scenario. I don't think he did. I think when you yeah, add it up, one. Jay-Z oh. wins that. Whatever. It's just ridiculous. So Jay, Jay-Z still wins, and they didn't pick half his best hits. They just picked up Tom Ford. <laughs> Some people like Tom Ford. I don't Tom, Tom Ford. Tom I mean, Tom Ford is cool. No, sorry, it's I, not one of his 20 best songs. Are you nuts? No. It's not bigger than Jigga What, Jigga Who. No. 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 Like, come on. There was... Pff, that Dynasty album had some jokes, That's too. What, this can't be life. Like... Parking lot pimping, like you can just the intro, like Jay Z's like the king of like intros, but it's like come on. Before Meek Mill, <laughs> change the game was fire. Yeah, it's a dumb. Yeah, list. yeah, they're they're bugging. Um, it looks like we're getting Diddy versus Dre though, East Coast West Coast beef. Right, so we're going to have a bunch of thirty five plus year olds olden having olden wash shootouts on the internet. Thanks. Yes, I'm only thirty one. I'm gonna be right with them. Yeah, but I already know who's gonna win in my opinion. Dre. No, I gotta pick Puff. East Coast, West Coast battle. I can't. My heart ain't gonna let me pick Dre. I'm gonna like he puts on doggy style, picking Dre. Oh, ready to die beef doggy style. Puffy didn't produce ready to die. Oh, I thought we were just going company. For company. <laughs> no, no, they're going Puff versus Dre. So what did Puff produce? Like that's loose. That's very loose. It is. It is loose. But I'm just saying, this man has the Chronic, the Chronic 2001. Doggy style, dog pound, NWA, like it's gonna get, it could get a still. I mean, dude, you play still Dre. I mean, man, I look. See, that's rough. It's so with Puff. It's just so much track master produced, stuff. Yeah, I was about to say, is it just track masters and all the what the hitmen like Stevie J type shit? Yeah, and I don't know, like. I don't even those he can claim right like I those he can take credit for I, that like I'm I'm just wondering what he can take credit for that type he could break some heavy D out some Mary J maybe I don't like that type of battle needs a lot of qualifiers and asterisks like when you come yeah. when you come in it's like all right well you kind of did this song but not really I don't know yeah. who did this song but it wasn't you like. That's, that's a mogul versus mogul yeah. battle to me. It's like you can play anything that's under your banner. So you can play M, even if you didn't produce that M song. 
You can, you know, you see, that's play punk. You can play. Here's why it gets dangerous. Like, here's whoever's under your dog, banner. NWA. For 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 Puffy, listen. I think Puffy has like Jermaine Dupree gets washed by Puffy, but I think with Dre, like if you play what's under your banner and you play like, you know, um, get rich or die, die trying, you play Fifty Cent, it gets ooh, ooh. yeah, exactly. Mm, that's tough. I mean, then you start playing Game, because you remember Doctor's Advocate, Game, the documentary, yep, like it. Mm, I look, you got some shit under there. Because with Puffy, like we really don't know what he produced with Dre like sonically like we know what he did and again does Dre have R&B under his banner though I will see that I mean you know you Puff, can, Puff can go Truth R&B Hurts. he can play like uh, he like he plays Addicted Truth Hurts Addicted was a jam but like Puffy like that's the thing like Puffy found stuff and like executive produced stuff but he didn't really produce it so like the point is I don't want to see this battle because there's too much that is going into this battle where I'm just like I don't does, is this your song? I don't know. Yeah. Can you Puff's play this? Dance. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and then then Dre turns like NWA, and it's like, well, shit, now it's trouble. Like, cause NWA, man, what? Oh, that's when Puff got to play the old school Uptown record yeah. shit. It, it becomes it, it's it's tough. I mean, dude, then you play like All Eyes on Me, Tupac. Then you got to respond. California Love. Like, <laughs> depends on what. Yeah, that's what I'm back saying. Back to Cali. Like, oh. there's there's a Biggie pot counter to everything. Snoop, it might be the trump card. Yeah, Snoop is a trump card. Like, Cause yeah. Snoop is Dre's too, if we're just, you know, putting M to the side for a second. But Snoop is Dre's too. Mace is Puffist. Puffist. Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> like, it's not, that's, that's not equal, yeah. right? Like, you play 24 Hours to Live, but you're... You, can't play field so good Not, it's, it's just, against something from the doggy style album. I, I played doggy style album yesterday, and I was like, "Oh my god, this it is, holds up so well." Yeah, like somebody was, you know, I, I posted on Twitter, was, you know, you know, where is this laying in your top, you know, your list? Is it top five, top ten, top twenty, top fifty? Somebody told me top fifty, and I was like, "You're nuts!" Like this is a this doggy is, style. Yeah, it's top fifteen. I'd say top ten. It might be top ten. I, Yo, I really it's have to incredible it though. Yeah. Like real hip hop heads, if you go through, you say you list out your top ten, top fifteen. I would bet seventy percent are debut albums. Probably. And that's fucking nuts. Every time I list mine out, top ten are debut albums. Yeah, because well, by either a group or solo people like Wu Tang, debut album, Biggie debut album, Jay debut album, Nas debut album. Like my top albums. Are all debut albums? Mob Deep debut album. Well, no, 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 no. Mob Deep's is not a debut album. What was before? Juvenile Hell, and nobody bought it. Oh, okay, all right, I guess. Yeah. Like, are we counting Infinite for M then? No, because like the problem. Well, you would count Infinite for M if you count Section Eighty for Kendrick. Fuck, I count Section Eighty. I think. Well, even though it's was that more of a mixtape? No, no, Section no. Eighty was an album. It, but it's, it, but I'm just saying, like, just like Infinite was like a widely distributed album, but it was his album. It was like his first full body of work. That's how I look at yeah. Section 80. So you can say, okay, well, it's like a full body of work. So maybe it is his debut album. But yeah, the thing That's is, fair. 50 debut album. Yeah, I mean, with with all artists and just about any artist except for the uniquely talented Royce Five Nine, you spend your entire life up to that first album. So it's like 18 years of experience to drop Illmatic, right? Then after that, you yeah. got like two years to drop It Was Written. 
And then the, that window gets smaller and smaller because your time to write is limited because your life experience is touring and all this stuff. So it's really hard to make like follow-up albums that are as good. Royce is a very unique case. And I think there's other artists that fall under the bill as well. I think Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Baradas is their best album. Um, Ooh. Yeah. And that, that people love Law and Theory. But I was about to say, I love Law and Theory, I'm, too. I'm big on but Alexa yeah, Relaxation yeah, is one of the greatest songs of all time. But it's like, there's so many artists that struggle after that first album because you, you put your whole life into that first album because you don't know yeah. what's coming next. And then after that... The whole Wu-Tang Clan's debut albums are probably the best albums. Yeah. 36 Chambers is group, and then oh, the whole crew... Supreme Clientele might be better than Iron Man. To a Ooh. lot of people. I have okay. to listen to it because I, I got to ask our boy Justin Ivey. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't listened to his book back to back in a long time. But I think a lot of people like Supreme Clientele more than Iron Man. Okay. So. But yeah, I mean, debut albums run that list for for the most part. Yeah. So it's crazy to think like, yo, debuts, it's same thing, chronic, doggy style. Like, debut albums are littered through the greatest albums list. Yeah. It's your introduction to that sentimental thing. But again... Another artist at Skirt Sand who just celebrated their 25th anniversary, Outkast. I love Southern Playlist and Cadillac Music, but Equemini is my favorite Outkast album. Mm, yeah, I'd have to. It, it depends. Every year I go back and forth. But the, those two are close. The though. strange thing is, I, like Outkast has like three, maybe four classics. So it's like I think they have four. Yeah, like. It's, I, mean, yeah. I even like the commercial joint. Yeah, I'm just saying, like it's. And I don't, I don't count the fucking split album either. No, I don't count. If you either. want to count that, they might like Dre on his on his end might have a classic on there. I'm just like the like Outkast, like you know, I was just talking about this on Twitter, like Funky Ride, like Southern Playlist, like those were like mind blown. But when I heard Equimini, like I was like, oh my, like Liberation and Spodiyoti Dopalicious, like pff, what? They just like. They're, they're aliens, just like they said they were. So it was like they were always <laughs> pushing the envelope in terms of musically. I feel the same way about Kendrick. Like, yeah. I love Kendrick. I just don't think he's necessarily failed on albums. And I think in Drake's case, I think Drake's third album is his best album. Even though a lot of people would say okay. Take Care. but Everyone now, I think, their best albums are later. Because I think Cole's best album is his third. Yeah, I didn't like Cole's debut album. Um, I think Wale's best album was... Is... This last one? No. The album about um, nothing. The album about nothing. <laughs> yeah. I listened to that the other Is day. that not the last one? No. The last one's oh, wild. That's crazy. Oh, okay. No, no, no. The album about nothing is his oh, best man, album. The album about nothing is um, unbelievably good. Good. Front to back. Incredible. Yeah. So underrated, by the way. I think I saw you tweet that the other day. Oh, dude. Uh, Wale might be the most underrated artist of this. I show. will say this because now if people are listening. Him and Crit. If people are listening to the show waiting for Combat Sports and you're pissed because it's almost been an hour because we're talking about other stuff. Sorry, quarantine shows. Fuck it. But. Yeah, my take on Wale is this: Wale is the most scrutinized, criticized, disliked, and underrated MC today. Because I think so many people give him crap, and so many people hold him to a higher standard of what they think he should be. And I think it reflected in his music early. Because I personally liked his debut album, Attention Deficit. I liked it, but it got panned by so many people because it didn't have like he had the, the he had the lead single with Lady Gaga. Then he went and signed like, with uh, Maybach Music, with Rick Ross. And then he had like um, Ambition, which I thought was a good album. But I always felt like people were criticizing Wale for so many things because of his personality and not necessarily his music. And I thought, me personally, I felt like Wale was always trying 
to appease everybody. Even though he was still making dope music, I felt like there were moments where I was like, okay, he's trying really hard to care what you think because he's sensitive yeah. about his art. Then the album about nothing came out, and the middle finger is like the epitome of Wale. <laughs> like that was a moment yeah. where I felt like Wale was like, "Fuck you, leave me alone." Like this is it. This is this is what you get. And if I feel like making pole dancer with Megan The Stallion, that's what you get. If if I feel like making sue me about Black Love and Pride, which is an amazing video by the way, that's what you're getting. But I think he's one of the most. And I guess the word is misunderstood. I think he's like clearly misunderstood. No, I agree. I, I can't find an artist of the big artists today where their best albums are their first albums. Because, yeah, Drake, I mean, unless you count So Far Gone, uh, and that's still not... Chance the Rapper. Acid Rap? <laughs> Acid Rap or Coloring Book. This this okay. new album is trash. I don't remember the name of it, and I'll never listen no, to it. No, yeah, this, new, one, this album, new album is not good. But <laughs> um, he has time, though. Yeah, he's got time. I think so. He could fix it, but... I, I'm just that saying, out the water. Like, his, first, um, his early Big Sean, I think. Oof. Yeah, Big Sean's second album. Probably the best. Yeah. Third. Um, yeah, so you, you go down the list. Like, today, people get better. Mac Miller's albums were better Ooh, towards yeah. the end. Rest in peace, um, Mac. Good Lord. Yeah, I think this latest album was fucking incredible. And then Tyler, the creator. Yeah, he got better with Even that. though his first ones were kind of goofy and funny. It was cool, but nah, his best work is his latest albums. Obviously, he won a Grammy. And I have, like, no objective to him winning off this last shit. Um, yeah, everyone just seems to be getting better. Yeah. But back then, back then you had to be polished as an MC before they even gave you a chance. I mean, now you can have a hit and grow into being a polished MC. Back then, you couldn't get on the landscape if you wasn't polished. No, but I think it's the opposite. I think now there is more opportunities for MCs to be MCs than there were then because labels dictated what MCs put out. So if you were a great rapper, you were subject to label politics. And label politics led to, well, you should collaborate with this album for your first single. I mean, this artist. And you should do this. And you should do that. Or you just don't get signed because we don't understand you. Like, I, I tell this stuff all the time. Like, I've said it at panels and everything else. When I first met Top Dog and Kendrick Lamar, I told Top Dog to his face, he's too good to make it. He's too good. Because of the, the industry in 2000, in the end of 2008 is when I met them. And I met J-Rock. The industry was not ready for somebody like that. Now, you can put out music without the label. Go to SoundCloud, YouTube, whatever. And now that you do that, you can put out your best work now, later, whenever, because you don't have to listen to the label. It had nothing to do with being a policy MC. It had something to do with being able to take orders from a record label. Because if you think about even Lupe Fiasco's Food and Liquor, and if anybody knows the story behind it, the well, I can't confidently say this, but I will say that I've... <laughs> The label, I felt like, leaked that album. I, the label leaked the original version of Food and Liquor. And I, it was funny because I actually flew Lupe out to Vegas for a show the day the album leaked. And I, he w I was in his hotel room, and he was pissed off because he was like, who did this? But Lupe has always been a little paranoid. But I don't think the label believed in that album because it was all him. It was no, like, like even Kick Push was not something that Atlantic wanted to put out, nor did they understand it. And everybody that followed Lupe's career knows how much drama he had with Atlantic Records. So, it, I... To the very end. Yeah, so I think a, I think it's, now it's easier, because if you're a dope MC, you can just put out dope music now. 
I don't think yeah. even somebody like Royce. Royce was a true victim of like label bullshit. Rhinestone do rag was a label idea. It wasn't just him. <laughs> That's what they wanted him to do. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. No, you're you're 100 percent true. And Lube to me to bring this to combat sports terms always seems like CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, he was there first. Where it's just people. yeah, it was just too early, and he, he went through the bullshit first, and he wouldn't conform. Um. But even Lupe, as good as Food and Liquor is, and Food and Liquor is incredible, I think the cool is better. I mean, the cool had just this excellent story behind it. And Lupe just was yeah, wrapping his face like, off. Yeah, it was just crazy. Tetsuo and Youth is up there as well. Lupe has legit three classics, even before touching the mixtape series. So, um, yeah, man, that's fucking nuts. So what? We spent an hour talking about hip-hop and movies. This is what the hell quarantine does to people. So uh, you guys stay tuned right there. When we come back, we're going to hit up all this combat sports talk. We'll be right back. All right, everyone. We'll get back to the show in a second. But just to let you know, with no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Just that quick, we are back, and we're actually going to talk some combat sports. Uh, Dre, live boxing returned over this past weekend. Fights took place with fans in attendance in Nicaragua on, like, ESPN Deportes. I watched it on the app, so I wasn't entirely sure where this showed up. Um, There's, you know, it looks like other promoters are making moves to try to get boxing back up and going from you know the zone and, and match room thinking about july and that coming out to bob aram saying he's hoping for june and this was the first time where we see kind of a blueprint of what life after pandemic may look like in sports do you think this is a model that could work here when you say here what do you mean you hear here in the united states um. united states uk where we're used to having fights, do you think this model of fighters wearing masks into the ring, only having two people in the corner, uh, the guy announcing had his mask on and gloves on, the ref always wears gloves but had a mask on, you know, yeah. there was one fan for every eight seats, 10% occupancy. Can you sell fights like that? Are tickets going to go through the roof because you can only have so many people? Well, that's, is this a model that works in a capitalist society like America? I don't think so. I think that I think it works for um, for a specific group of fighters. For the guys who are just really starting their careers, have you know names? I, I use like a fighter over at the zone, Diego Pacheco, for for instance, a guy who needs to fight. Guys who fight twice a year, this doesn't work. Like. Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford can't fight in front of nobody. Just, it can't happen. Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder can't have their third fight in front of nobody. It just can't happen. 
um, because you'd have to find a different model to compensate everybody because your live gate's going to be terrible and your pay-per-views might be good maybe but we're in the middle of a pandemic and you know the economy might be complete crap by the time we get to these fights so i think this yeah. can work for smaller cards i think this could work for like the samstown cards in vegas or like the uh the smaller cards and like la live i think that can work i just think big names like the terrence crawford spoke on it like you have to pay me more to fight in front of nobody and who really wants to do that and it sucks but that's kind of like you make money off of the live gate pay-per-view buys everything else if there's a pandemic going on Guys, just, I don't see a lot of guys jumping out of their seats to fight people. I just don't see But well, what's nobody? If it's 10% of what is usually there, it's still somebody. Yeah, but what's the, where's the revenue coming from? We've seen pro wrestling, right? Yeah, but where's the revenue coming from? The, the revenue comes from a $100 seat now being $500. Yeah, but who's, Unfortunately, who's paying for I that? think that's where they would go. I'm just saying, who's paying? Supply and demand. Who's paying that, though? I'm not sure. That, that's that's the question. You know, because because I'm pretty sure in Nicaragua, they didn't do a price hike, you know, to get into the right. arena. People were just happy to, and they just sold tickets for whatever. In, in America, I would feel that it'd be a, a thing of stature to be allowed and say I'm one of 800 people in this building. It's like Jordan sneaker releases. Yeah, but see, I think the difference with Jordan sneaker releases, you can't get a disease and die going standing in line to get sneakers. Like if you still have a pandemic going on. I think that's that's a crazy thing about people protesting and demanding that businesses open. Like we've seen a great deal of fools like run to the beach and stuff like that. But let's just say that they announced, you know, in two months that Coachella is going to happen. If they offered people to still go, a lot of people still aren't going to go because they're not going to be comfortable with going. And if you price hike on top of that, I ain't got no job anyway, so it's like an easy no now. It's not even a hard no. It's an easy no. I'm, no. Well, a great deal of people are collecting unemployment for not working and not just enough. have cabin fever and will rush out. Well, obviously, they've rushed to the beaches. Beaches, are, beach, they're, they're, they're rushing a lot of places. Beaches are free. Fights are, are free. not. So if you're unemployed and you're making a 30-year salary or whatever it is, a, you know, a fifth or whatever it is, wherever, whatever state you live in, and there's a fight, yeah, you might watch it on pay-per-view. Maybe. You could probably steal it. At this point, but I don't think anybody's like running out to pay a thousand dollars to go sit in somewhere we might get sick and die. I just don't think so. I'll probably they probably just go to the beach. <laughs> like if they got a coast, yeah. probably just go to the beach. Catch the highlights on Twitter. Yeah, I don't think anybody's <laughs> just running out to go sit down at a fight unless it's like a huge fight. And then again, it's like you got to make up the revenue somewhere because Vegas and a lot of places are all about the gate. How much is the gate? How many people bought these these tickets, these seats? If you can't fill capacity and you tripling and quadrupling prices of tickets, even celebrities are going to be a little bit weary because there's it's still a disease. It's not clear that once it clears up and people are more comfortable, sure. But right now, I think this can only work in smaller venues and smaller fights. Also, I think this will have a lot to do with what happens with the UFC, which we'll talk about in a little bit. When they get to string these cards together, Somebody had the nerve to tell me, well, I don't even want to call it the nerves, maybe I'm wrong, but I doubt it, that this uh, <laughs> Ferguson Gaethje fight could do like 1.52 million pay-per-views. I was like, you're out of your mind. What I, the f- Who's projecting this? This random people. I've seen random people like, this is going to be the biggest card ever. And I'm like, dude, people don't have money. And they blew the doors off of promoting Wilder versus Fury and didn't crack a million. And unless Conor McGregor's yeah, on the like card, her. I just don't see it. I was about to say, if Conor was on it, Maybe. Yeah, I just don't see it. That'd be possible because people are so thirst for stuff, but 
for Gaethje Ferguson? Yeah, I think it's I think for not a hard, even Habib. Yeah, for a hardcore, this is a great card. Like looking at that card is great, but I think I think a lot of people like boxing will take a look at this very closely to see how the well. I know you guys like don't actually release the ESPN Plus pay per view numbers, and no matter what happens, Dana White says it's going to be good. Well, I think people but are going to look at tell. it. Yeah, they're going to just look very closely at how it takes place and think, well, what does it take for us to do this? Is it worth the pay-per-view? Is it worth selling tickets to? Can we do this in the States? Because, like, then where are you going to do it? Because you can't really do it in Vegas because the hell. Florida, obviously. Yeah, That's where Dana White's. Everyone's going to Florida because, of course, Florida would be the one to just say fuck it. Right. So the challenge there is who's flying to Florida to go to a fight? Like, if you were opening up for people to buy tickets. Yeah, I don't know. Because you can't no, do it like, in New York. No one's everybody's gonna die. No, so you can't do it in New York. Yeah. Like California, maybe, are but too I, much on top of each other. People. Yeah, so it's like Florida, like big combat sports flourish because people travel to these locations to see a big fight. I guarantee you, like a majority of the people that go to the UFC and the boxing cards in Vegas aren't from Vegas. The big ones, no, no. local ones. Sure. I would say most are from overseas. Yeah, like travel. Which is really hurting. And if it's a travel ban, I mean, shit, everybody going to Fight Island? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, the promotions have to hope that television networks are so starved for content and original content and live content that they would kind of break the bank. They would try to break the bank for these cards to be part of their schedule. Which we've seen, like, I mean, the replays of boxing have done huge numbers on ESPN. They're free. They're free. But, I mean, ad revenue-wise, can you get something out of sponsorships and ad revenues from the networks, maybe on top of your original deal? Yeah, I think, like, if you do free, again, that's why pay-per-view is created, to pay these fighters what they want. Like, these ridiculous, the ridiculous money they're getting is because of pay-per-view. So if you're doing them on TV, it limits the amount you can pay the fighters, and are the fighters going to agree to fight for less? I don't know, man. And and then you add that on top of not being able to have, like, a real true training camp, it gets sketchy. It gets sketchy for these guys. Again, these guys fight at most twice a year. Like, who was the last big-name fighter that fought three times a year? Canelo, did he? I think he snuck one in, right, when he fought Fielding? Triple G? Yeah, true. When he used to fight... um in Monaco once a year, right? Yeah, I just I don't even think but Triple G was like big, like once you reach a certain level, you don't fight more than twice a year. Three if you're lucky. So if you're gonna fight three because so for a lot of guys, like this not fight like no fights in March and April, they, they weren't gonna fight anyway. Some of them. I mean they just weren't. <laughs> but you clear out the summer, then it gets a little bit different. But yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if this will work. I don't know if that I don't know if that model would work with big names. Medium names, yeah. Big names, I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's tough, but the big name guys gotta fight too. They do. But they want they want to get I think paid. sooner or later. I mean I sure you got millions just chilling in the bank, but sooner or later, they wanna fight. So push gotta come to shove there. Um I touched on some of these old school fights being shown on ESPN. Two fights that caught my eye over the past week that we've had on air that I think we've talked about this in the past, but I want to touch on now that I watch both and they're fresh in my mind again. Two controversial wins, one for Mayweather, one for Pacquiao. Wanted to see how you still felt about this. First, 
did Floyd Mayweather beat Castillo? Yes. In the first fight? Yes. Barely, but yes. I think a lot... I, I was just like, I'm doing a piece rescoring Canelo versus Triple G today. And I think a lot of it... Oh, good luck with that. Triple G won both. He did. I had him win. I just finished them. Like, he won 115-113 on both of my scorecards. Like, I watched him without looking at anything else. I didn't pause it, nothing. I scored it in real time. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with what Castillo was doing to Floyd. Because here's what happens. People watch fights, and they don't score the rounds. And they just go, he won. But you didn't score the rounds. So in yeah. Castillo Mayweather, in the case of Castillo Mayweather, Castillo was doing things that we weren't used to with Mayweather because Mayweather tore his shoulder in that fight. And he was clearly not able to throw like he usually does. So when Castillo was aggressive, people were more shocked and saying he was winning rounds, but nobody was really keeping score. If you keep score of that fight, Floyd won. Did Castillo do enough where he could have got a decision? Yeah. yeah I think he could have. I think if I think he outlanded Floyd by ninety punches. And outlanded him in power punches by 120. Well, I think the challenge, and the challenge is, you got to score. I mean, these are fights that are scored by round, not by overall output. Look, sounds good, but if I landed 130 punches around six, and I land 16 punches re- between rounds seven, eight, nine, and ten, I only won one round. It's the way boxing works. I think most people that score fights don't score fights. They look at things and say he won, but you didn't really score a fight. You have to score by the round. So at watching that fight, I watched it recently. I still think Mayweather won, but I thought it was really close. This was not like a, a usual Floyd Mayweather wipeout. This was a very closely contested fight where Castillo was get, he had a lot of moments. And people looked at those moments. They never saw it happen to Floyd and they picked Castillo. If Castillo would have won that fight, it wouldn't have been a robbery. I'll say that. I don't think it would have been a robbery. I think that's that word no, is close fight. Yeah, liberally used word is robbery. I don't think it would have been that. I would have been against the decision, but... I wouldn't have called it a robbery. Closest fight in Mayweather's career. The cards were way too split. I think he had like a 117 card in there. Something ridiculous. Um, Not it, dude. It was nothing is as egregious. Uh, like I just watched Canelo Triple G one. I had it 115, 113. Adelaide Bird had it 118, 110. Gave Triple G two rounds. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is one of the worst. Uh, dude, there's a there's, 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 cards a, there's like a Paul Williams fight that got a really bad scorecard too that I remember. But that scorecard is one of the most ridiculous. That in the draw with Mayweather Canelo, which is also an Adelaide Bird scorecard, are like two of the worst scores I've ever seen in my life. Unbelievable. <laughs> Adelaide Bird really likes Canelo. She's drunk. <laughs> um, no, so I agree with you. I think Mayweather won that fight. I thought it was super close, but I think Mayweather gets the nod in that one closest fight of his career by far um castillo's the only person to outland floyd mayweather for a full fight which is bananas because a lot of people say floyd just runs yeah he doesn't um that's not the case he outlands all of his people by percentage at least most time total punches um people just throw in volumes and miss yeah so he's able to outland them so floyd that was the only fight where his Atlanta was close, but I still think Floyd won that fight. This other one we definitely disagree on. That's Manny Pacquiao versus Juan Manuel Marquez, two. Yeah, I had Marquez win. I've never had Pacquiao. Pa- Pacquiao lands the knockdown mm-hmm. and proceeds to lose the next three rounds. Yeah. After that, Marquez comes out like a bat out of hell. But then I think Pacquiao wins 10, 11, and 12. I don't. So I think Pacquiao took 1, 2, 3, 10, 11, 12. And with the knockdown, wins that fight. I, d- 
don't remember. I know I had Marquez winning one. Twelve is close as fuck, by the way. Round twelve is close. Yeah, I had Marquez winning, but this was I, like I never had Pacquiao winning a fight with Marquez. I never did. And but I'm not saying this because the third one I definitely had Marquez winning. Um, and the first one was just it was crazy because how do you knock a guy down three times in the first round and you still get a fucking draw? That's how I scored it too. It was unbelievable how Marquez timed Pacquiao. But it, this is the same case for me. This, these fights were so close that I would like the decision happened. I was like, oh, I had him winning, but I can see it going the other way. It's like yeah. it really depends on what you value in a fight and how you score. Because a lot of people put a lot of value on what happens in the last thirty seconds of a round. Dude, I was watching Hagler and uh, in, in, uh, Hearns the other, not Hagler Hearns, um, Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard the other day, and I was like, man, I could see how Le- Ray Leonard won this fight because like people talk about the shoe shining at the end of the round, but. Ray Leonard fought in spurts in that fight. And Hagler yep. fought a lot like Gennady Golovkin. Like, it's frightening how, how uh, Marvin Hagler fought like Triple G, where he was methodical, wasn't crazy fast, but he would, like, bludgeon his opponents to death. And it was... I thought Hagler won that fight when I watched that. I day. did, too. I did, too. So, I get why... And Hagler never fought again. No, he was done. Out of here. That was it. That's cold. You have to ask yourself, if Marvin Hagler beat Sugar Ray Leonard, how would we remember Mar- Marvin Hagler? Because, one, his career would have continued. Two, he would have wins yeah. over Hearns, Duran, and Leonard. That's a fucking hell of a resume. It's, I mean, he's already... I mean, that four is like the pantheon of that time, right? But you you look at it, he might be above Leonard. Leonard's fringe top five for a lot of yeah. people. Yeah, hell yeah. Sure, Leonard's an amazing um, fighter, but I thought he lost that fight. Yeah. Yeah, I still don't know that. But you, you look at it, and then it's like, yeah, he, he has to be up there. Um, it, it was close. It, but to see that be like that last fight, Fagler, that, that was tough. I was pissed and went to Italy, and I was like, I'm done. Like, he was done with this. <laughs> he was out of here. I love Marvin Hagler. Like, I didn't appreciate him as a kid. I was, like, real big on Sugar Ray Leonard as a little kid. Then I watched Hagler as I got over, and I was like, how did you not like this dude? Like, he was just – because he lost, like, two Crazy. fights early in his career – and then he just went proceed and just beat the hell out of everybody. Like he's it's just a machine. There were some questionable decisions back in the day. There were. Like i now that I've been watching a lot of these fights, low key, Whitaker may be undefeated. <laughs> yeah, he beat Chavez. And I thought he, he beat, beat Chavez. I think he beat Delahoya. Like Whitaker, I watched both fights this past week. He low key might be undefeated. Yo. Yeah, I mean, dude. But the fact that Floyd Mayweather is undefeated is one of the most fascinating things because it's really hard to convince judges that you win because judges just see weird shit. L.A. Burke, yeah. she sees weird shit. To not be a knockout guy yeah. and to remain undefeated. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, like, really crazy. Like, even Manny Pacquiao on that run that he had, he lost to Timothy Bradley by decision. There's nothing he could do about yeah. it. He fought, like, the best he could do without knocking him out, and he still lost the fight. Guys, same thing against the other kid, the Australian kid. Yeah, and then we talk about undefeated fighters, and like Horn. for whatever reason, nobody mentions Joe Calzaghe. We just don't. We just don't talk about Joe. He retired undefeated, but we don't care. <laughs> like we just don't. <laughs> it just he doesn't have the resume that some of the other guys had. Like he beat Bernard Hopkins, uh, and it was like, yeah, okay. He beat Jeff Lacey, and that was like Jeff thing. Lacey was the man. But other than that, if you look at Joe Calzaghe's career, I was like, so Andre Ward retired undefeated. Yeah. <sighs> Um, Chavez, man, like Julio Cesar Chavez, looking back at some of those fights this week, he was handed a couple. Yeah, I mean, dude, the Frankie Randall fights like, when he eventually lost. Whitaker, uh, what other fight I'm thinking of? I mean, I mean, dude, he got he, whew, 
the Meldrick Taylor fight. And I, wow. I mean. Yeah. And I understand, like, Mexican style. Like, okay, cool. He's, he was going to sit there and slug him a lot of the fights. But a lot of those, you look back, you're like, yo, I don't think he won this fight. Just It's just the way the boxing is, man. Like, that's why. The Mystique, De La Hoya caught a couple nice ones where they gave him the fight. Yeah, like, De, De, De La Hoya had an interesting career to me because. He might have beat Trinidad, though, <sighs> in the fight that he did. I just. That is the fight, dude. <laughs> Hands down, De La Hoya Trinidad is the worst strategic decision I've ever seen in a fight. And somebody was like, well, what about Meldrick Taylor Chavez? I was like, there's nothing Meldrick Taylor could have done because Chavez was beating him up even though Meldrick Taylor was winning the fight. So it was like he couldn't yeah, get away. He was going to run out of gas. Yeah, he couldn't get yeah. away from Chavez. Like Chavez was always going to be there. Yeah, he made a mistake by fighting, but you had to fight him off. He was going to be there every the whole fight. De La Hoya like, built up this lead and just stopped. And it's the most Stop baffling throwing. thing I've ever seen in my life. Because yeah. that fight... If he stops throwing one round later, he at least gets a drop. But it's like, the, at that time, it was the fight of the century. It was it was a huge fight because Tito was so big. And Oscar was obviously the king of pay-per-view. Two huge fighters going at it. And then the fight in the beginning, you're like, oh, man. Like, De La Hoya is just polishing him up. And then all of a sudden... He just stops and just gets on his bicycle. Now, I'm watching this fight, and I'm like, yo, he's doing math. Like, this dude is doing math. And I was like, there's no way I can lose this fight. I'm up. And it's like, you can't trust judges. What's wrong with you? But to be fair, I still think he won. Because there were some rounds, like, this isn't octagon control. There's some rounds where just Tito didn't do anything. No, but Oscar didn't either. But he either. was pressuring, and they gave him the round. Yeah, Oscar didn't either, and that's the, that's the thing. It's like... You have to fight because you can't trust judges. You just can't. You have to fight. Like, we've seen some egregiously bad decisions in the UFC. And if a guy just kind of lays on somebody, it's like, ah, well, what the hell. But in boxing, you have two options. You fight or you run. Because it's really, there's no takedowns. There's no there's no real stalling. You can clinch, but a judge, I mean, a ref will eventually take a point away. But you got to fight. Yeah. And Oscar, in that fight, fought a brilliant fight early. Looked amazing. And then all he had to do was just do that a little more. Because he was never in danger that entire fight. And we all knew Tito could crack. But it's like, dude, you're winning the fight. Why would you just start giving? Because he was not just, he wasn't just doing enough to win a round. He was just giving rounds away. Just giving them away so he didn't have to be in trouble. Yeah. That is bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah, because it didn't feel like he was in danger of getting put out. Like, it didn't seem like anything Tito was throwing was, like, hurting nah, him. man. And not at all. And it just he just he just stopped. Like there's a fight, Audley Harrison versus David Hay, and Audley Harrison just for some reason just completely stops throwing punches. But the stakes weren't as high. These were two guys that were unbeaten at the top of their game in their prime. The world wanted to see this fight. One guy with all these celebrities ringside just stopped fighting. Mexico versus Puerto like, Rico, so much legacy. Like, and that was and I and that was all it was weird because up to that point. Oscar started winning over Mexican fans because Mexican fans were pissed when he beat Julio Cesar Chavez. It's like how so mad? Like, how dare you? And but he started booed him the hell out the building. Yeah. So but then he started winning them back with like Fernando Vargas, Ike Corte. Like he started winning back fans. And then that day, like I, one of my Mexican fans was like, "Man, fuck Oscar again." Like that's how it just felt. Like it's, <laughs> I'm done with this guy because it's not Mexican style no, either. No, you they're like, oh, you fought like a punk. He did. Ugh. I, I, that fight disgusts me. Like, one day, I want to do an oral history of that fight, and I want to know what Tito was thinking during that fight, and I want to know what Oscar was thinking during that fight and his corner. 
crazy. I wonder if Oscar would tell the truth. Oscar is wildly open now, he, which is crazy. Yeah, I like, mean, all his I don't know. interviews, like, Oscar don't give a fuck now. So I wonder if he'll tell, like, the honest to God truth. Like, yo, I thought I had this shit in the bag. Mm-hmm. He might. Maybe. <laughs> that shit, yeah. Like, some of these old fights, like, you look, you're like, yo, there's some questionable calls back there. And, and some, some great fights. We had the Ali trilogy the other day. Yeah. Where Ali loses. He definitely lost that first fight. Um, got put on his ass a couple times, but you, you realize, like, man, and watching that Ali fight, not saying that this is going to be the case, but you can see how a guy like Deontay Wilder can lose or get put down. Shit, I watched, what was that? I saw um, Lennox Lewis get knocked the fuck out the other day. Which one, the Oliver McCall knockout or the Hasim Rockman knockout? Rockman knockout. Yeah. Came back and didn't look back. Like, came back and was more dominant. Yeah, beat the shit out of Rockman in the rematch. Match and got starched by Rockman. That knockout was ugly. He didn't know where he was at. Yeah. It was uglier than Wilder just getting the towel thrown in. Yeah. No. So for so many people to be like, yo, Wilder's done. It's like, yo, he'd come back next fight, be a completely different person. And, and put Fury on his face. Could. It's just the problem with what a lot of people see is it's not even that. It's that to a lot of people, Tyson Fury won like, let's see, this 12, 19 rounds. So a lot of people, Tyson Fury won 15 rounds. If it wasn't for the knockdowns, it wouldn't have been a draw in the first fight. And Deontay didn't have a shot in hell in the second fight. He was done from the opening bell. Yeah, but we, we saw AJ be done against Andy come back yeah, and have a whole different game he, plan. And he now dropped him. AJ talking big shit. But like, can the question is, can Deontay Wilder box? Like, if Tyson Fury chooses, Tyson Fury has too many ways to win. Deontay has one. Yeah. I still think Deontay beats every other heavyweight. I don't know. Blueprint be there. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I don't. I think know. he beats Anthony Joshua. I don't know. I think he. I think he could. I think. I don't. I need to see Deontay fight again before I can make that decision because Deontay was a wrecking ball and then he got wrecked. And some people just don't come back from that. Once that aura of invincibility is gone, everything changes. Yeah. And if you remember, even Tyson came back from it, right? Like Tyson. Yeah, he came back. Won a title again. I mean, because he had a few good runs. He lost to Buster Douglas, but the veil of invincibility was gone, and it didn't. He didn't really fight anybody that truly mattered until he ran into Evander Holyfield, and Evander wasn't having none of that shit. Like when you watch those fights, you you could tell from the he meets Mike in the center of the ring is like, "What's up?" And th- that's it. Mike was just like Bruce yeah, Selden. he knew that was a different yeah, Mike. Yeah, all those yeah. guys, like, for Deontay, my problem with Deontay is he relied so heavily on that right hand, and Tyson Fury took it away. Now, granted, that's not a blueprint because you can't, Tyson Fury is a unicorn. But I, I need to know what Deontay's psychology is going to be when he gets back into the ring because will he still have that killer instinct? Because if he doesn't land the, fight, the, the knockout punch against Luis Satiz, he was just giving that fight away. Just was just giving it away. He was rely- yeah. overly relying on that right hand. Does he change? Does he need to change? Like against Tyson Fury, he probably does. But if he fights somebody like an Anthony Joshua, does he actually change his strategy? And does it work? Yeah. He needs to fight like he fought Stavern the first time. Yeah, Stavern was small. Before he fell in love with so him, it was, where he went 12. It was so easy, though, because Stavern was a, a midget to Deontay. So you could just stick out the jab and Stavern can't get around it. Anthony Joshua was a big dude. He could probably catch it. Oh, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, what's... He can't lean on him like like Fury did. No, Fury's he's huge. So I'm more and and I think Wilder's chin holds up a lot better than AJ's. AJ's chin to me is the most questionable chin in the in the 
the heavyweight division. Well, I mean, there's not really like no. he's damn near Luke Rockhold to me. This last fight, he just didn't allow himself to be I mean, caught. He got knocked out once. He lost. He got. He lost. He's one. been knocked down. Klitschko. I mean, you can give him that. It's Klitschko. Oh man, Klitschko. Don't matter. It's still Klitschko with power. Like Tyson Fury's chin is an enigma in the heavyweight division. Wilder got buzzed like hell against Luis Ortiz, and he got. Yeah. He got Wilder's eaten some and stayed up. Yeah, but he, who has he fought? I mean. Luis Ortiz. Fury twice now. Yeah, but and, and Luis Ortiz. Man, that's kind of it. Better than AJ's record. Is it? Klitschko. Damn near now. I mean, Klitschko, Dillian White. I mean, Joseph Parker. Like, AJ's got a better resume. That's that's not. It's a. That's not Ortiz twice. Fury that's twice. That's it. That's Anymore. Because Fury beat AJ's best opponent. So, yeah. No, that's not how this works. Tyson Fury. Resume-wise? Deontay does not Fury. have a better resume than Anthony Joshua. He does not. He fought cans for like 39 fights. He absolutely does not. Okay, and Joshua's best fights are Klitschko. Dillian White. And Dillian White. Der- I mean, dude, Derek Chisora is better than me. White is equal to Luis Ortiz. Okay. Then you have Derek Chisora. Chisora, I'll, I'll give him Joseph and Stavern. Stavern was a legit champion. You have Joseph Park. Come on. You can say what on. you want about him. He held that belt. But, so, but Anthony Joshua fought champions, too. Deontay Wilder did not. His resume is padded. Deontay Wilder fought the champion twice. The resume. One fight does not Tyson make your resume. Tyson Fury is the champion And he lost, twice. He, but he lost. He got knocked out, and he fought to a draw in a fight that he was losing. Other than that, Deontay Wilder's best win is Luis Ortiz. Tyson Fury got up by the grace of God. And he got up. Yeah. Whichever. I'll give you that. He got but up. Other than he got up. But Deontay Wilder's best win is against Luis Ortiz because he didn't beat Tyson Fury. All right. I think Anthony Joshua is a better resume. Doesn't mean that Anthony Joshua is going to win. Just Joshua has a better resume because he fought better opposition where Wilder spent a much of his career fighting tomato cans. He blew those tomato cans up. Much credit to him, but there were still cans. That's fair. I mean, I I don't know. I gotta I gotta see how good. It's tough, cause there's such that segregation in heavyweight boxing between Europe and the U.S. So it's like, yeah, I want to see Dillian White fight Luis Ortiz. Yeah, we all do. Um, or excuse me, Andy Ruiz. I mean, we right. That's like the fight that they're pushing for. The, I mean, those two, not like promoters, but like those two are talking shit. Yeah. Like yeah, I want to see I want to see some crossover from the guys underneath. I mean, I think it's going to happen at some point, but I just I'm just saying right now, like Johnson Wilder's resume is not really impressive. The knockouts are impressive. The the opponent his best win because you say yeah he fought Tyson Fury, but if you didn't win, who cares? Like doesn't matter. Like Klitschko is Klitschko is better than Luis Ortiz. Klitschko was like the most dominant figure in heavyweight boxing at one point. Tyson Fury's the best heavyweight fighter right now. So you can't you can't compare Tyson Fury to anybody. He's the best. I give you that. But that's like me giving Canelo super props for being Shane Mosley. No. Like but, he beat the ghost of yeah, Shane Mosley. Yeah, but we're not but Canelo's resume is ridiculous. No, his resume is ridiculous. That's it's a body beyond of the point. It's but just, to me, that'd be like the ghost of Shane Mosley being his best opponent. His best win. And I'm just nah, like, it's not the same. Like, like, Klitschko lost. AJ beat the ghost no, of Klitschko. No, Klitschko lost to Tyson Fury. Before that, he lost to nobody. 
Not the same. Shane Mosley. Didn't he take a two years off? Two, two and a half Shane, before that Joshua Shane fight? Mosley, the ghost of Shane Mosley is much different ghost than Klitschko. Klitschko is coming off of losing his first fight in, like, what, 10 years? I'm going to see the gap between those fights. Yes, it was just one loss. And he was unstoppable yeah, before so then. I just need to see the gap between dog, those two fights. It doesn't matter. It's just better than... It's like one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. He... 2015 to 2017. Two years. It happens. He knocked him out. Yeah, that's not that's not that he long. He knocked him out. I'm just saying, long. he knocked him out. When you stop somebody like that, you got to give the man credit. Mm -hmm. No matter how old he is. Because Luis Ortiz might be 72 years old. And that's Deontay Wilder's best win. And other than that, I, Stavern, I would take Dillian White and Derek Chisor and Joseph Parker over Bermain Stavern any day of the week. And Andy, Ru no, and Andy Ruiz. I'm just, I don't think AJ runs me that tough, but yeah. It's better than Deontay's, I mean, that's all I'm saying. The heavyweight division hasn't been super stacked. Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight. Tyson Fury has the best. He, he's, and he's, he, yeah, he's, he's the best clearly the best heavyweight. He's never lost. But after that, yep. AJ's resume is better than Deontay's because there's nobody else that has, like, an equivalent. So AJ would be two on your list right yes. now, pound for yeah. pound. Like Absolutely. Right now, yes. Right. If they fight, I still don't know if AJ would win. I'm just saying, based on resume, resume quality opposition, and the fact that AJ is the unified heavyweight champion, I have to give him the nod over Deontay right now. Okay. Well, hopefully we get to see AJ versus Fury because that is a fight I want to see. One champion heavyweight division. But at this point, those are just dream matches because we don't know when the hell boxing at that level is going to come back. So we'll see how that all plays out going forward. Um, you touched on it earlier. The first testing point for major fights and pay-per-views, UFC 249 in May. Yeah. And, and we talked about it. Amanda Nunez backed out, weakens the card a bit. Not too crazy. Dana White's trying to start stage three cards in that one week in Jacksonville just in case people smarten up or there's an uptick in cases again and they got to shut shit down. Yeah. I mean. So. Okay. I mean, I, I think people buy this card. And uh, we'll talk about it and predict it like going forward. But there's one prediction. You know, I'm just going on the board. I can say this shit now. I think Justin Gaethje wins. I'm picking Justin Gaethje, too. I still hate. I think he knocks out Tony Ferguson. I still hate. <laughs> and I feel bad for yeah, Tony. I still hate that these guys aren't getting full training camp. So I want to be clear in my stance. I'm fine with this fight happening on May 9th. I was not fine with all the problems that, like, all the hoops they were trying to do to make this thing happen with the change with Khabib. I didn't like how they handled that. I'm fine with this. If pro wrestling is happening, like, I'm not fine with it because I wouldn't go to it, but I'm fine with it happening under the circumstances with pro wrestling going on. Cool. They're having yeah. this fight, these fights in Jacksonville. Cool. I'm not mad at the UFC for this. I won't be there, but I'm not mad at them. Um, yep. If they want to risk their lives doing it, who am I to tell yeah, them? No, much? it's cool. I just, when they were trying to do the whole Brooklyn thing and then trying to get Khabib, like, it was just too much. Like, you got to know when to fold them, and Dana just didn't know when to fold them. So now I feel like it's a more measured approach. I think fans will appreciate it. I don't know how well this pay-per-view does because it's still a paywall behind a paywall. Like, people have to have ESPN Plus to get the pay-per-view, and I think a lot of people would steal the hell out of this fight. Maybe. I, I feel like at least this gives them the best chance, like a better chance than before because with the quarantine, I think a lot of people um, have actually been getting ESPN Plus. Um, Jordan documentary helps. A lot of be surprised how many people think, like, to watch the replays, you have to have ESPN Plus. Um... 
you know, a lot of people, even with the boxing stuff, on our boxing account, asking, like, yo, where can I just always see these fights if I don't want to just go on TV? I'm like, oh, ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus. So I'm sure, like, our numbers have upticked. I haven't checked in. Fuck, I don't, I don't know. We haven't had a, a meeting in a second that I've had to go to. So, um, but I say all that to say this is a good time to put something on ESPN Plus because I feel like you have more natural eyes on it already. And I think you already have more combat sports eyes because this is a, this is probably the most ESPN is leaned into combat sports. Yeah, well, I mean, they kind of have to. And yeah, and they've they've given it main primetime platforms, Saturday night, Sunday night. They've they've done these things, so I feel like it's a good place now to say, okay, let's give you guys this card and see what happens. Yeah, I- so I still think it's like one. I think it. I pay think it, well, it's still two because you gotta buy a pay per view, and pay per views are not cheap. Like, it's one thing to get a subscription service and be like, "All right, cool, I'm gonna watch old fights, or I'm gonna watch free fights, or I'm gonna watch replays of free things on ESPN." It's another thing to say, "I'm paying for the service, and I gotta pay what seventy dollars for a pay per view." Yes, yeah, yeah crazy. when when people are tech savvy <laughs> enough to steal fights, right? Yeah, and you can't like. You can't justify it by throwing a party no, anymore, right? That's, that's my thing. That's what I'm about to say. It's, like, like you can't it's get just like me. Work. Like, it's just me at the crib buying a pay-per-view <laughs> for myself. And it's like, what yeah. the? I'm, I'm just, I'm you unemployed. The homies over. And my, my stimulus check is probably gone. So I'm going to shell out $70 on a pay, UFC pay-per-view? Nah. People were, people were blowing those yeah, checks. It's like, I'm going to spend that money on the Amazon Fire Stick and steal the hell out of this. I think there's going to be a lot of people that steal this card. I, I use, man, I really use the Wilder Fury as a perfect example of something that was blown out the water. Had no competition on February 22nd. There was no major sporting event. He had, it, the shit was everywhere, and he still did only 800,000 pay-per-views. This is not the same thing. I don't, I don't think this does 800,000. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this fight does do well. But without Khabib, I don't think this does that well. I think it does well. Yeah. I think it does fine. But Khabib, I think it did. It might have pushed a mill. Maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, now it's like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. Again, I, it, it's tough. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, plenty of pro wrestling to talk. We'll save that, actually, for our second show this week. One that allows to watch Raw and NXT and AEW again before diving into all of that. We get to preview a little bit better Money in the Bank, which is coming up. And... The show's already an hour and 45 minutes. Jesus. So we might as well uh, wrap it up right here. We want to thank you guys for listening and following us. Make sure you guys hit us up on Twitter, at Corner Podcast underscore. Me, at Kel Dansby. Him, at Andreas Hale. It was a fun week. A ton of stuff to talk about. Let us know what you guys thought of the show and our topics to lead off the show. Until next week, though, or until later in this week, we're out. Peace.